0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Hungarian Football Podcast. I'm Chris Barrett, co-editor of HungarianFootball.com and co-author of our weekly NB1 preview throughout the season. Joining me today on the show is the other editor of HungarianFootball.com, Gail Hope. On top of the numerous things she does behind the scenes, Gail is also our resident expert on referees, match officials, discipline, and the laws of the game. Gail has a divided loyalty between Onbed and Wipest, the latter mainly because of her friendship with manager Neboja Vignevich. She's also on a first-name basis with a number of top referees in the world, as well as pretty much all of them in Hungary. Welcome, Gail. Hi, Chris. Nice to catch up. Yeah, let's do that. So before we get right to it, can you tell some of our listeners a bit about how you came into your expertise with all things officiating, especially to your
1: aversion to the color yellow? (laughs) <laughs> um first of all my my love of refereeing started um many years ago um my stepdad had let me go to a game on my own um i joined in a particular song um the who's your father one and when i get got home from football uh, i had one very furious stepfather who wanted to know what i was playing at and at 13 years old i was packed off onto a referee course to learn some respect towards match officials um, and a love of refereeing was born um so i refereed for a few years as a teenager and young adult um before giving up and kids and that sort of thing came along but i've continued with um mentoring and coaching young referees these days um, and I'm also a qualified referee observer, so I go out and watch matches and observe referees and mark them. Um, so that that's where my refereeing comes in. It's it's something I've done now for many years, either as an active referee or or bringing on the the next generation of referees. As for yellow. <sighs> It gives me a headache. I hate it. The only <laughs> place you should ever see yellow is on a banana, just as you're peeling the skin off. Or maybe on a lemon or on a melon. Certainly not on um, a referee's football shirt. So just okay. in case, you know, Mr. Paul ever happens to drop by and listen in, <laughs> ninch shago, Mr. Paul. Ninch shago. <laughs>
0: well, it, it, you, you've had a quite... Uh, quite a few outbursts when you've seen people who have promised you that they were going to wear another color and then ended up
1: wearing the yellow and and Um, they've worn yellow. Exactly. Do you know, it's actually statistically proven that referees make more mistakes when they wear yellow. There you go. I knew there had there to be something
0: a little bit more than just a feeling there. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> these are, these are of course my manipulated statistics, but we won't go there. <laughs> of course you are. No one's really
0: going to question you, quite honestly, because I don't know
1: anybody who has as
0: detailed uh, statistical um, uh, stuff on this than you do, obviously. And and really, listeners, if uh, all six of you who are listening, uh, if you have not been with us during uh, match day on saturdays when we're watching the games and on twitter and all that it's it's why actually not? quite fun uh, why not first of all right exactly and it's actually quite fun to uh to see gail in action when she's uh calling out good and bad uh refereeing decisions uh especially if they're wearing the color yellow um she, she just it just amps her up that much more so <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, Gail, we've talked about this. There's been some changes to the laws of the game this season. Of course, um, even before the season, there's been plenty of normal misinterpretations of some of the rules. And um, I I know you wanted, and I wanted to hear your clarification on some of these so we can stop yelling at our screens when the refs are actually doing their job.
1: Yes, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start with the the rule on Dogso then. Um, For those who don't know, Dogso denying a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Um, It's always been something that's seen as a bit double jeopardy um, because if it happens in a penalty box, you would have a penalty and a red card. Um, One of the big, the biggest change, I I would say, this season is is the fact that the double jeopardy element has gone. Um, So if if an offence falls within that, and we'll we'll cover in a second what would f- fall under that. Um, if an offence falls under that and it's committed outside of the penalty area, a red card will still apply because you don't get the penalty. But if it happens within the penalty area, um, the red card has gone for for in in some circumstances now. So the the team. Committing the foul, don't get a penalty against them and a red card. <clears throat> An example of a dogso red card. Thank you very much, Mr. Ivani, on Saturday. Um, the red card for Pushkash. That was a dogso red. Um, it was a fairly innocuous challenge. Any if if there had been another defender nearby um, between. Um, him and the goal, it would not have been. It wouldn't have even been a yellow card. But it was the last defender, right. so um, he was bearing down on goal. If without the foul, as, as small as it was, he would have been one on one with the goalkeeper within less than a second, which is why he got a red card for not the hugest defence in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> uh, the definition of, of um, dogso is when somebody denies the opposition team either a goal or an obvious goal scoring opportunity by a a handball offence, a foul, holding, pulling, pushing um, with no opportunity to play the ball um, with. um, It it, it can be a number of different offences. It's not just a foul. Mm -hmm. However, Outside the penalty area, like I say, if it's anything, any any of the, the criteria, it's still a red card. Inside the penalty area, it's only um, if there is an attempt to play the ball, then you don't get the red card element anymore. If it's a, a holding, a pulling, a pushing, and the defender has no, no possibility to play the ball... Um, so he's a yard behind the, the, the striker And he yanks his shirt back mm. That's a penalty and a red card Because he's, he's got no chance to, to play the ball When they go in for a tackle And it's slightly late Or he catches him with his, his trailing leg And brings him down Because he's attempted to play the ball Or has played the ball He no longer gets the red card um, I think it was the Friday Against Ferva game and there was a penalty. Um, and I had a whole load of Frode fans straight onto the timeline saying to me, that shouldn't have been a red card. And I said to them, well, actually, no, because it was a dog so red. See, it folks, was- that's the voice
0: that you'll get if you get on, on Saturdays with us. That's, that's perfect rendition. Well done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was like, no, not only did he attempt to play the ball, he did play the ball and he took him down afterwards. And it was quite funny then watching over the next two minutes, about 30. Messages all disappear very quickly off my timeline, where they were being corrected by a woman. Um, But
0: But these kinds of rules—they're long overdue, aren't they? I mean, we've seen—they are, they are—in a number of sports. Ice hockey has changed the way they uh, do penalty shots now and stuff. And and when you deny somebody uh, who who would have would have had a breakaway,
1: that really is fair, wouldn't you say? Oh, I completely agree completely agree what was unfair was the element where if a defender slightly mistimed a tackle and is given a penalty away and then gets a red card as well for for a a tackle that he would not get a red card anywhere else on the pitch for um if it was the sort of foul where where he would get a red card anywhere else on the pitch he will still get that red card but there are some, you know, it's you know what it's like. They go in and it's just the trailing leg and it's the slightest of knocks enough to take someone down, though. It was a bit unfair for a, for a, a penalty and a red card. So so that has gone.
0: And embellishment plays a part in that, too, because we know just how much how slight of a touch. and You'll see some guy look like he just had his hip displaced and he falls to the ground in agony, rolling three or four times. Um, that trailing leg sometimes seems to have a lot more "quote unquote" power <laughs> when when it is
1: oh, a dying Um, yes. I was always taught when I was a little young, free, face, fresh, fresh fresh face referee. Um, yeah. if if they go down and roll three hundred times, there's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they go down and don't move, then you worry. Mm-hmm. A player who is genuinely injured does not roll 75 times um, Mm -hmm. and they do not hold their head when they've been kicked in the ankle either. Right. Um, And this is one of the things that makes it incredibly difficult for referees. Um, People complain about accuracy levels, but when you've got 22 players who spend 90 minutes trying to con the referee into giving them a decision, whether it's something simple like, putting their hand up when they've just kicked the ball out for a throw-in, going, our ball ref, right. to, to to rolling three quarters of the way down the pitch or making sure that that tackle by the halfway line, they actually land right by the penalty spot. Um, it makes it incredibly difficult Be- because instead of a referee just having to think foul, yes, no, card, yes, no, they now have to think foul, or embellishment foul or dive right. mm. then they start thinking on the foul then they have to start thinking on whether it's card all the time that players throw themselves to the floor cheat i will use the term cheat use whatever gamesmanship tactics that they can they have absolutely no course to, to complain about referee decisions because they are the ones who are making it impossible to referee a game. Um, because of their their own dishonesty, not because of referees dishonesty, because of their dishonesty. Um, so, that, you know, let's let's have some honesty, players, please. Um, but yes, it, it it does make it very difficult. Um, and of course, supporters, you see your player go down, and it's immediately it's a mm-hmm. it, it's a penalty, even if it's up the other end of the pitch. It's a red card. It's everything, and the referee hates your team. Um, Whereas everyone else can see that it was a quite a clear dive and, and was nothing of the sort, but, but but that's the culture of the game now, though, Gail, right?
0: It that is the culture of the game a lot, and not only, and I know we, we get frustrated too when we see players pretending eh. they're officials. They'll hold up the invisible card, um, you know, even after oh, they've been really? given, even after they've been given the decision for them, they still yep. they go that step further and say, "Aren't you going to give them a card?" Yep. That begins to
1: really step over the line, doesn't it? It does. Um, now, if I was on IFAB, and this is probably why I'm not on IFAB, um, it would be about man- what IFAB is. The they're the people who make the laws of the game um, and make any changes. They're they're the International Football Association Board or something. The proper term. These are the guys that write the laws of the game. These are the guys that make the changes to the laws of the game. They are made up of um, referee managers from all around uh, the world. There's Mike, uh, Mike Riley from England, um, Ray Ellingham from Wales. Um, I don't think we've actually got anyone on IFAB ourselves in Hungary, but we've certainly got people at UEFA level um, who contribute. Um, and it, it, it's a bit of a team effort, but but these are the guys that actually sit and write these changes that we get given every July. Um, <clears throat> if i was them i would make that a mandatory yellow card um not just a it can be considered for one under you know unsporting behaviour i would make it mandatory a player waves a yellow card at you you wave one back that was just the like if he mess. does it the second time you go bye enjoy yeah, your day they asking for it at that point aren't they yes yeah. um it's it's horrible to watch um, and you know, there is a particular national team legend at the moment who spends 90 minutes running around after the referee with his, you know, mouth going in his ear for 90 minutes, and it's embarrassing, Roly. Give it up, love. Either give up playing and take up the whistle, or just give it up because you look a fool. You're it, referring to, to, to uh, Roland, Newhouse, aren't you? I am, I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, as a national team player, he's he's he has always been and will always be one of my heroes but mm. i watch it now and i'm embarrassed for him mm. um
0: well he has become a little uh a step behind i feel um and it looks like the hair is uh, making a a younger defensive core and i think this is his last season so you know it might just be one of those well perhaps he's- like Perhaps
1: he'd like to start refereeing next season because he seems to think he knows a lot about it. Well, maybe send him an email, you know, just get him on. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: he'd probably tell me where to go. Uh, probably anyway. so. Gail, is there, are there, is there another um,
1: uh, a rule change or anything that you feel has caused? There's, some? Um, probably handballs, but let's not even try and go there with handballs because I don't think anybody knows what the law on handballs is anymore. Yeah. Um, the now in a penalty area ball to hand is 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 now a handball whereas before handball it, it was supposed to be a deliberate act um you know and it, the the so-called ball to hand or hand to ball um whereas now a striker could kick um, a ball against a, a defender's hand and get a handball penalty, um, which is an absolute mess. Um, I, I think perhaps the, the the bigger change at the moment is is VAR and and the issues that that's perhaps starting to to um, throw up with uh, where it's it's. Managers, players, fans have have all been saying for so many years now. Um, referees are rubbish. They miss this. They miss that. They get this wrong. They get that wrong. They demand 100% accuracy off of a referee. We need to help them, and etc. 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 And of course, VAR has come in now, and everyone's going, "We don't like this," because it seems to be focusing on the wrong things. Um, the, there's only Sort of four areas that that VAR can cover, which is um goal, no goal, penalty, no penalty, um, a direct red card, not a a second yellow, a direct red card, um, and offsides. Um, and unfortunately, it's it seems to be rather excellent at being able to tell if if somebody's nose hair is 0.1 of a millimeter offside. But Sort of other decisions aren't either being overturned. Um, we don't have it in Hungary yet, thankfully. Um, I was going to ask, is there, is, there, is there a timetable for that, though? Do, do we know if I, and when it's coming? It will come. Um, Mr. Charney has has made it perfectly clear that it will come. Um, my personal opinion is we are probably, I would, I would estimate, at least three to five years away from it purely because of the infrastructure um i would imagine that the only two grounds in hungary at the moment that could possibly accommodate everything would be friday's ground, obviously at the group armor and and the new national stadium mm-hmm. because at the moment and you can tell i love m4 so if anybody from m4 is listening we love you guys and thank you for always putting the games on for us but they only have two to three cameramen down one side of the pitch currently. For VAR and for for VAR to be used in a professional capacity, there needs to be at least three cameras at each end and there needs to be four to six minimum down either side on each side of the pitch. So the amount of camera entry points that need to be fitted into every single ground um, is one issue and then there's going from having perhaps 18 cameramen covering all six games of a weekend to having to have that many at each game because without a good camera system you don't get the replays i mean We've seen ourselves sometimes on a Saturday and we've gone, oh, was that a pen? Let's have a look at the replay. And you're looking and you're going, can't tell because the camera, you know, the the camera angle and you only have the one view. And if it's a handball with his back to the technical area, you're not going to see because there's no camera on the other side of the pitch. You can't use VAR under those circumstances. The the easy part is a bit for the referees, which is is, um, setting up, one room um, per ground. It doesn't have to be at the ground. I'm pretty sure there's a, a corridor somewhere at, at um Konoha Utsa there that they can have six little offices with all the required television screens in. Um, it's it's setting up the infrastructure at the grounds. It needs a separate Wi-Fi system. It needs to be a very strong, very stable very high-powered Wi-Fi system for the um, images from all of the cameras to be bounced back to wherever the room is. We've actually only got um, Victor Koshoi and Kotlin Kulcher have both done the VAR course and are both experienced in in refereeing games with VAR. Um, Kotlin from the Ladies' World Cup um and victor we we've lost him off of the MB1 at the moment he's he's in china and saudi arabia um with the var system um tomasz bogna i think has done two games now in saudi arabia and he's also done the the course um the, really, the var it like it's, course it's
0: going to take more training obviously for the current officials And also adding adding a lot more infrastructure in terms of
1: cameras and
0: and so on and so forth.
1: Exactly, exactly. So so I don't think we're going to see it for at least three to five years. Yeah, I
0: I was going to say, I, I know that there's a few other countries that have started it and then midway or three or four games into the season they've pulled it just because they haven't had those things and it's yes. just been a disaster so I'm sure that uh, they would rather stay away from that than yeah everybody's
1: hopeful. Uh, what I would like to see them do in in the meantime is goal line technology because that's a very definitive yes though no, has the ball crossed the line or hasn't it you know I, it's I, I know it's just one camera placement it's one right. camera placement well two yeah one in each goal Um, And it's not even a a proper camera. It doesn't need somebody um, operating it, manning it on the day. The referee would test it before kickoff like they do sort of here in the Premier League. Um, And it's just just sensors down the inside of the goalposts. And if the whole of the ball crosses, um, a watch buzzes on the referee's arm. Right. Um, which lets him know that it's it's gone across and he'll look at the, the uh, goal line technology watch and it will sort of flash up on there that it's a goal. Yeah. Um, I know we, we have the um, AAR system, which I think they call them baseline judges in, in Hungary, baseline referees. Um, my ideal is a combination of them and goal line technology, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because the last thing you need is your AAR looking to his right to see if that ball's crossing the line, just as your defender number three punches number, you know, striker number 12 in the face on the referee's blind side, because that's right. what you want him seeing. That's that's where the referee needs the help. Um, right. And at the moment, they do a dual role that that kind of conflicts. Um 'Cause they have to be looking that way to watch for a ball over the line, but watching that way so that they're almost acting like a camera behind the goal line. Because yeah. they're watching what's on the referee's blind side. Um mm. so that's what I'd like to see us do in the meantime. But VAR, yeah, I don't think we're anywhere near it yet, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, Gail, I want to
0: um I want to talk a little bit about the referees in Hungary and I know that you do too. (laughs) Yeah, I know you've got some (laughs) strong opinions. And, and, you know, um, for those of you who don't know, Gail, um, she always sends out the list and puts it on HungarianFootball.com of all the uh, referees, assistant refs, fourth officials for each game. (laughs) um, So that, uh, so that we know, the thing is, is a lot of people see those names and just go, I don't really know who these people are. Um, Give us a little bit of a, um, I mean, you're on the inside, you know, a lot of these folks, you know, um, those that are good, those that are new those that are on their way out um, give us a one-on-one on Hungarian referees if you can
1: OK, well, first of all we've got six um, FIFA referees at the moment um, Victor Koshoi is obviously our, our top referee and our most known referee um, he's got one more year left on FIFA um, but we'll I'm pretty sure we'll qualify for a plus one year. Now, to to explain that, it always used to be that the retirement age was 45. Um, FIFA stopped that uh, probably about six or seven years ago now. And um, referees can continue on beyond 45, but on a season by season basis, um, they have to have the required, required merit marks, pass the fitness test and have... Other medical tests as well. Mr. Koshoi, I can't see him not passing the required medical tests. Um, and he's, he's most certainly getting the marks. Um, I know he's getting them at UEFA because my man on the committee there um, shows me the merit table. Um, and I believe he's getting them at home because I've got somebody here on the committee here at well in, in the referee department here who has access to these things and is not a referee, I will point out. Um, so, so I get to kind of see roughly where they are on, on the, the merit tables here and, and internationally. I think he will get a plus year. Um, then we've got two in the first group, which is um, uh, Tomáš Bogner and Istvan Vod. And... Um, to Marsh at the moment, he is he's been phenomenal this season. I think he's probably our top top performing referee at the moment. He's done a lot of games in Europe and he's consistently marking well. He's marking high. Um, he, he has been at, he's having probably the best season I've ever seen him have to be honest. Um, he's quite clearly our, our number two referee behind Victor. But he's only a year behind in terms of retirement, so he won't take over from Victor when Victor retires as top spot. Um, Ishvan, well, he spent most of last season out injured and appears to be out injured this season as well. He did do a few games um, behind the goal um, as the number two AAR. Um now, if a if a referee's injured during a game in Hungary, it's the, it's the guy behind the goal that, that takes over, um, which would be AAR1. So he's not even in, in a position where he would be the one to take over, which, as our senior referee, you would expect. Um, so I, I'm wondering if he was kind of perhaps trying to come back from injury then and has had a setback Um, because he had about five games where where he was AAR2 and hasn't been seen or heard of since. But he remains on the FIFA list for the coming year. Um, Then we have um, Adam Forkash, who is probably best positioned to take over from Victor Koshoi. He's still in the second group. Um, Personally, I would have liked to have seen him and and Isvan swapped this season. Um, on on the, UA, the UEFA list, at least. Um, Boloche Berke um, is one of our other FIFA referees, and he's having another one, having an absolutely great season. His knowledge and application of the laws of the game has been absolutely outstanding this season. Um, and then we have Ferenc Caraco, who's the last of our FIFA referees. MB1 referees, we've got um we've got the old guard which is shoi moshi who is my favorite for anybody who doesn't know shoi moshi peter is my favorite referee and he can do no wrong don't ever slag him off to me or you're in big trouble yeah i'm just gonna
0: insert something here um uh I, i've seen this happen and um i i, I nuclear <laughs> nuclear devastation doesn't even come close to what would happen if you uh mess with with peter so um, exactly
1: so don't do that exactly Peter is is the god of refereeing, okay, so you, you just worship at his feet and leave him alone. The he, lovely, um, the, the, lovely, lovely the lovely Mr. Shumoshi, yes. <laughs> um moving swiftly along, I'm now in trouble. Um we've also got um, Zoltan Zoltan Ivani. Um and again he, he's he's there's him, Choba Pinta and Shandorando um, Zabo And Josef Erdos Yes I've just said Josef Erdos as well <laughs> Those five are our Middle Reliable Safe pair of hands None of them are spectacular referees Apart from Peter None of them are spectacular referees They're all good though They're decent And nine times out of ten They get the calls right They're steady They're reliable. You know what you're getting with them. Um, Tell us the
0: ones or one or two that you would just say, if their name is on the officiating sheet, you're just covering your head.
1: We we went past them in the FIFA list. (laughs) We did? We did. Did I miss them? I tried to skip by one without even mentioning his name. (laughs) So you're telling me you don't want to answer my question. Um. I am not a fan of um, István Vod or Ferenc and, and Is that
0: mainly because of political reasons, or is that because of their inability to really bring the laws of the game to a certain standard?
1: Uh, in relation to um, István Vod, I would say if if his talent and ability. Um, was even a hundredth of his perceived arrogance, he would be an okay referee. But it's not. Um, And Carico, I think... uh, Carrico had an incident last year where he he sent Kirai off. um, And there was a bit of hoo-ha over it um, with... um, allegations of what had and hadn't been said and kirai's ban was subsequently reduced when um that was the thing that
0: was an integrity decision that was an
1: integrity decision and for me from that day forward he has lost all integrity in 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 the eyes of players in the eyes of managers in the eyes of everybody in football Hmm. um because what he says he heard certainly isn't on the recording of, uh, on the headset.
0: That's
1: right. Um, or what he thought he heard, shall we say. Um, now, for me, it's an integrity issue every single time now with him, because every time he makes a decision, his integrity is called into question. Um, and he's got nobody to blame but himself for that. Um, that and the fact that he's not very good he's not consistent enough. Um, He has more bad games than he has good games when he has a good game. He, he he has a very good game and I can see where the original potential with him was, but um, he's, he's not settled down. He's not found a consistency. He's either too lenient or he's too strict. He hasn't found that balance in the middle. His decision-making is inconsistent. What's a foul one minute isn't a foul a second later. And, you can't have that for a FIFA referee. Right. Um, you can't have it for an NB1 referee, let alone a FIFA referee. Um, now, is, is
0: there is there one or two um, that you're kind of hanging your hopes on as uh, talented young?
1: There are, we have no, through? not just one or two. We have three. <laughs> okay. We have three young referees at the moment. Um, please forgive my pronunciations here. Um, Gurugu. Uh, Bogar. Um, he for me is Michael Oliver of the MB One. He is a phenomenal young referee. He's in his second season now on, on the MB one and he is absolutely fantastic. 27 years old, and he referees with with far more maturity. He's still making some mistakes that that are getting less, but him, he he for me is probably our future elite referee. And then we have um, Adam um, Peluk and Benze Chonka. Uh, who Adam made his his debut at the end of last season and has had three games this season. And um, Benze Chonka made his debut this season. Adam, I think, is 31, and Benze is 27, 26, 27. So these these three will be the, the three that are replacing Mr. Koshoi, Mr. Bogner and um, Mr. Vod when they retire in the next three years. Um, these are, yeah, these three are very exciting. And Berke, of course, who's already got his FIFA badge, um, and I think is probably our best all-round young referee at the moment. Absolutely phenomenal. So overall, do you feel a,
0: a positive trend in uh, terms of ability um, uh, when, when you look to Hungary and you see the officiating standards? Are, are they um, are they increasing? Do you feel like do you, do you feel pride in what you're seeing there?
1: If you'd have asked me that question this time last year, I'd have said to you no. but this year, yes, the, there seems to have been a change over the summer. I don't know what what. What it is, but uh, you know, Mr. Paul and, and the referees department have are really starting to focus on our youngsters. They've stopped when they need an extra referee in the MB1. They've stopped bringing back people like um, Adam Radvani, Adam Namath, who are reasonable MB2 referees, but they are not MB1 referees. They've stopped putting them on the games and they've started to use um, Bogar, Bilok and and Jonka, who are three fantastic young referees. These three are our future. So, yes, this season I'm I'm feeling really, really positive. There seems to have been a change in... uh, I don't know what the word would be. Just a change in focus, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And it's whoever's coaching these these three young referees is doing a really good job with them he's doing a fantastic job with them um we've already got um six young um assistant referees on the fifa list um so in i would say in three to three to five years time our fifa list is going to be completely different to what it is now and we've got some very, very exciting youngsters coming through that are going to join up with these exciting young assistant referees we've got. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's very, very positive at the moment. You said you had a a closing comment or something you wanted to say. I did shirt count. The most important statistic this season. Yes. In 95 games, 36 black shirts, 28 blue shirts 23 red shirts and only eight vial shirts vial equals vial. that that yellow yeah. <laughs> so um mr paul thank you very much can we keep that up please but if we could have minus eight on the eight next in the spring season i'd be very grateful can you tell us who was the biggest uh perpetrator He's, of the vile shirt sultan ivani oh there you go he wore them in three games mm-hmm. Chubba peter wore them in two Shandor Arbo in one, Adam Pillock in one, and in one. Folks, not the these things. that would
0: ever know this kind of information is Gail Hope.
1: <laughs> well, Gail... We have a talent, haven't we?
0: Gail, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, we all well, love okay. having you on the show. But um, uh, we've got a little bit of a break now. Um, we'll be back, but not, not as long as last... Not as long, as, Not last as, long year. as last
1: year, no, no.
0: And Even
1: um January twenty fifth. So Okay, and I just want to say um hello to Chinda, Yes. Because like, she's another referee fan, of course. Absolutely. And all these people are
0: on Twitter. If you have a chance to uh, to follow us during match day, you'll get to meet all these great and wonderful people. But um, well great, Gail, thanks again for for joining us. It's always a pleasure welcome. to speak with you. And um, we'll be back after a short break. All right, so we're back, Hungarian Football Podcast. Thank you, Gail, for joining us for the first part of the podcast. Now I'm here with my cohort, Mr. Paul Treso. How are
2: you doing, Paul? Hello, Chris. Yo, Nuput. Good day, as they say. Good to be here. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're finished with the autumn season, uh,
0: 16 rounds in, and um, uh, it's been a great fall so far. Um, a few surprises, a few things that, uh, we were probably counting on, um, and, uh, we're looking ahead to, uh, January 25th, a much, much shorter winter break this season than last. So, uh, we'll be right back to it, um, in a number of weeks as opposed to months from last year. So, um, uh, we just want to spend a little bit of time doing a quick wrap of the, the first part of this season. And then uh, maybe take a quick look into what we might be able to expect in the spring. So, Paul, go ahead and take it away. I know that you've been uh, studying vigorously, and um, yes, let's let's kind of hear some of your thoughts. And uh, okay, we'll bounce off and that. I'll
2: be brief. So we'll I'll be brief. So we'll start we'll start at the top. Ferrets of Irish, of course, we know first place, uh, game in hand. Uh, very impressed with with them playing on the two fronts. They came so close to moving on in the uh, Europa League. And in NBA, in, they, they're, they're doing a great job, first place, as I said, with the game in hand. Uh, they did a good job in the fall of not losing those silly points, I'll call them, that uh, Fehervar lost last season. And I wanted to make a public apology to David Seeger. I, I had been a little down on, on him this season, uh, but he has done a great job. Uh, late bloomer, 29 years old. Uh, maybe five foot five in, in his cleats, but big heart and fearless player. So, public apology to Mr. Seeger, and that's kind of what I have for Ferran show, uh, quick and easy. Yeah, you know that I, I, I watched the end
0: of the game uh, against Lutegaretz, and um, it, it, they never quite seemed like they were going to get there, but um, it was nice to see that they could get the draw at the end. Um, but, you know, I don't think that that was the um, the, the priority for Rebrov. Um, you know, I think if they would have gone through that, it would have been amazing, especially mm-hmm. for a game yes. of football. But, you know, one defeat in 15 league games um, wow. is pretty impressive, fighting on two fronts. They are out of the Magra Coupa, but, yes.
1: Um,
0: yes. but they definitely... Uh, have it all to play for and no distractions in the spring. So that should be interesting. I really feel like they have to be the favorites and the front runners.
2: Yes, definitely. And then, then we go on to the second spot. We have uh Fehervar. Basically a tale of two seasons. They they start out the season very well. They looked like they were gonna get a hold of the uh, title chase at the start and then recently I, I just have to ask myself what happened um, we had we, we said goodbye to a manager we said hello to a new old manager and not quite sure what's uh, happening to Fehervar uh, what do you think Chris what has happened to these uh, to, the, to this squad that last last year in the Europa League did so well yeah I, 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 well I'm not sure I, I think
0: um, John is only he's only been there for two games yes uh three maybe and um i i really think it's going to take this transfer window to kind of get his hooks into the team um especially going away to training camp and getting the players together um you know they're 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 offloading a couple players i don't think um danilo pantich is going to be is going to return he's either going back to Partizan or chelsea i'm not sure Mm -hmm. but um you know, So so I think he's going to try to make it his team going into the spring. And I still think they're a really strong team. They have a lot of talent. Um, and again, probably favorites to really be the only team to challenge Friday at this point. But yes. um, I, I think they're still a good team. I think they're still going to do well. And then two,
2: two last players there. Uh, I'm not sure in the theme of what happened. What happened to Marco Hutach and Armin Hodzic? The, the two of them started out the season like gangbusters eight and seven goals and they seem to have disappeared lately i'm not sure if it's uh, a, lo- a dislike of cold weather but really surprised with those two two strikers so we have fehervar and then i think we have to i think we all agree it's hard to disagree that uh, the surprise side of the fall is mezerkovesh they just came out uh, Attila Kutor, the the manager, you you would have to say he's the manager slash coach of the year so far. He's put his uh, stamp on this side, and they're a very ex- they're a, a fun side to watch. They're entertaining, attacking, and looking forward to seeing what they're going to do because they're in the unusual position of being in. The third spot, and normally at this time, they're struggling for survival. And then we have my favorite player, uh, or at least a player that I'm super excited to welcome back to the uh, NBA, is Richard Guzmich, probably one of the only sightings that we know of, at least on paper right now. So I'm excited to get him back, and I'm mm-hmm. ex- excited to see what he's going to do. So a- any mm-hmm. thoughts, Chris, on Mezorkovic for you? Well, I, I mean, I, they've been so
0: close to the top all season. It's kind of weird calling them a surprise because I think uh, you know that that's kind of burned off a little bit. Yes, it has. Um, they uh, they had two defeats throughout the first fourteen games, and then really stumbled into the winter break, didn't they? With uh, with two defeats in a row they did, here. Yes. And so, um, I you know I still think they're good. Uh, I, I I like them. I'm afraid that uh, teams might have caught up to their magic a little bit um and uh maybe adjust I, i'm really interested to see what kutor does over the winter break if he's going to add players if he's going to mess with success so to speak especially with finishing the uh the fall season with um with two defeats so um lots to go on there ziv Zivaj is um leading the team with six goals and, and he's just he's been really cool uh thomas cherry also um, so so I think that's a team that we all like. It's, yes. it's really fun to see them succeeding right now. I don't know if they'll be able to sustain it, but
2: we'll see what happens. That's the fun of uh, Hungarian football. Fourth position, a, a team that uh, many love to hate, but I uh, I actually uh, enjoy this team, uh, Puskas Akademia. Perhaps they're the surprise of the season in the fourth spot. Playing very well. It's a very entertaining side to me. I think the new manager Jolt Hornjak uh, has been a very good fit for this side. Puskas has has tried some foreign managers in the past, but uh, Jolt, uh, coming from the Czech Republic, uh, speaks speaks very good Hungarian. I think he's I think he's had a good uh, influence on this side. Uh, if, for example, if you look at uh, Ezekiel Henty, seven goals four, and zero. So that's seven goals, four yellow cards, and zero red cards. So I hope I did good research on that one, but I made sure to, to check that one. So he's played very well. So I like how Jolt and Ezekiel seem to have a connection there. Um, one of my favorites, uh, Adam Gurcho, not sure on the pronunciation. We're missing Ivan, but uh, he is, he has played really well this fall, and my advice to Pushkash is please don't make the mistakes of Ferris Farosh. Sign him to a permanent contract right away. Don't allow him to go back to Hajduk Split. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about Pushkash, Chris? Uh, yeah, I don't like to
0: think uh, too much about Pushkash, but. Um, no?
2: I, okay. I, <laughs> I, I, will, I will admit,
0: though, that uh, Ezekiel Hente has been kind of a nomad, and for him to really um, do well, I, I think I had made a comment earlier that I wasn't convinced. Um, you know, he started the season. He kind of went into hiding for a little bit, yes, uh, maybe injured yes. a little bit suspended, um, or whatever, but it just seemed like he disappeared. And then he came back at the end of the fall season and has had a very strong end to the fall season. But again, it, a, another player and another team that we'll see it's one of those, um, ebb and
2: flow things, but uh, yes, it is. We'll
0: see. we we'll what happens over there. We have finish.
2: the fifth spot is probably a surprise to me because this side seemed like they were playing so terribly, uh, one of your favorites, uh Uypesht. And there's a they are in the fifth spot tied with Homebade, and somehow they're in the chase. Uh they signed uh, Robert Fetzeschin. Uh they they uh got him to come back home to Uipesht and uh despite everything that's that's going on uh Nebosa Vinjevic has once again put the club right there in position for uh Europa League qualifications, so it should, should be a very interesting uh, break for them. Uh, we all know about their owners and the capacity of not wanting to really sign players, so curious what happens there. Uh, hoping that uh, Robert Litowski comes back. I, re- I really like that back, that back four that last year, as you noted in the prior podcast, uh, was a very strong back four. So curious what's going to happen there and little prediction. I predict that uh, the goalie that everyone uh, loves to hate, Filip Pajovic, will be leaving Uypesh. Uh Don't know where. I, I have no sources. This is just a gut feeling for me. Mm. But, Chris, this is your team. What do you have to say about Uypest? Well, again, not,
0: not too much. I, I think that they're um, – uh, they, they finish strongly. Um, I uh, Fekesian is the kind of player that Vignevidic really likes, and you yes. can tell yes. when Latowski went off injured and he he'd been gone quite a bit. Uh, he was his, uh, captain most of last season. Fekesian came in and has really taken taken that role over really well, and he's leading by scoring. You know, you have yes, like um, yes, and yes. we'll get to this, I'm sure, but um, but Daniel Budet, who came in, was supposed to really kind of do that with Pach and, and didn't, but Fexeshin has come in and really done that. He's got eight goals. He's leading nb one and, and really, um, uh, has, um, impressed, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a hot spring for, for, um, the boys in purple and we'll see yes. how, and if we, if we jump goes.
2: to it, to the Budapest, the other Budapest team, home bait, home mm-hmm. bait are right there tied with we uh, 24 points, uh, David Lanza Fama's back, seven goals. Once I think this is correct, zero red cards, but he sure has come close a few times. So <laughs> I think, and uh, you can correct me, uh, the manager appears to be a bit of a hothead for home bait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah
0: Giuseppe Sanino, Giuseppe- I think he's already gotten four or five yellow cards. Oh, my goodness. Banned, banned oh. for two games, and he didn't really? One. Wow. Wow. Last week. So um yeah, he's he's another one that we all really have, have uh, been very interested in this season.
2: Yes, that Italian connection. So that's that's home bait quick on home bait Uh Kishvarda, I'll be quick on Kishvarda. Uh they basically limped into the break. Uh two straight losses. Uh I still love uh, watching Felipe and Big question for me is what will happen to Georgi Grozov? He's seven goals playing well, but uh, you have to think that maybe this will be the uh, time where he moves to a bigger club and maybe Kishvarda makes a little uh, money off of him. So that's all I have for Kishvarda.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that'll be big for um, for that team. Felipe also missed the last two games and I think that's why they quote unquote mm. limped into the,
1: uh-huh. the winter
0: break because he had a he had an injury he went back to Brazil to have operated on so oh my goodness um, okay. so so I think that that's um, they've had, they have a couple of questions they really need to answer and I think they'll survive um, but I really thought that, that that this might be the season they pushed into the upper part of the uh, yes. table. so
2: we'll, yeah. we'll see how we'll see how that goes yes and it, and then we have Deborah popular team good pass surprisingly in the in the eighth position uh, injuries uh, bad uh, play as far as temper has cost this side Uh, manager Andras Herzeg has his hands full with this young side Uh, they're they're in the eighth spot as I said Uh, um, negative five goal differential Uh, Adam Bodhi hopefully will come back he's a player I really enjoy watching he's been out the, the whole fall so hopefully, DeBordstein can do something here because it's it's a bit odd to see them in the eighth spot. So DeBordstein in the eighth spot.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, and um, it, it and, and I know Charlie um is is gonna be upset with me, but I, I just I, I think their defense has really let them down, and I'm not sure if that's a tactical thing, or it's just um, you know, they, they've really thrown their um, all their eggs into the attacking basket. But uh, mm-hmm. when you see them, they, they just have not been, they're a talented squad. There's no doubt about it. I don't know why it's not coming together, but um, hopefully Herzeg will make some adjustments and, um, you know, they, they hopefully play to their potential because them being a poor team in this league, I, I don't think is ever a good thing.
2: No, it's and, not.
0: Yeah, and because uh, like you said, that they're, they're a team with a, a good following uh, of supporters and I think they really need to be up there. I I would hate to see them um, relegate. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, it's just been a a very disappointing first half of the season for them. Yes, it
2: has. And then speaking of clubs with good followings, probably the second uh, club in terms of fan followers that attend games, D'Oster from Mischkoltz, uh, Tomasz Fetzko came in for – favorite uh, Spanish coach Fernando uh, but he has just brought life into this side uh, they're playing much better but the goals are still a problem here they're I believe they're the second lowest scoring team in the NBA with uh, 16 goals only Kapusvar is uh, has scored less goals so they're still fighting but they're they're a bit higher than normal. Normally, normally at this time, they're bottom two and fighting for life. Now they're a bit above the zone, but of course, still, still have some concerns there. So, what do you think about Diawshir, sure. Chris?
0: Yeah, I, I really think um, the their manager um, deserves this shot. That show has been um, someone who I who I think a lot of us feel was un, unfairly sacked. Um, from MTK last season. Yes, and yeah. uh, he's he's come in and, and done really well. I mean, they're leading scorer. Shastikov has three goals. If <laughs> yes, that <tells> yes. You, <laughs> if, that's, if that tells you anything. So, um, but um, you know, they're they're playing a lot better under Fechko. And um, again, another another team that I think it'll be vital for them to get a couple of of good players um, and adjust over the over the winter uh, winter break. But you know, again. I keep saying this. We'll see. <laughs> anything yes, can happen. Yes. Can yes
2: happen. And speaking of that, anything can happen. Uh, last round, the bottom three sides all won, which was quite amazing. Uh, Puksh and uh, Zeligersek, two straight wins in a row. So that's quite uh, quite a feat there to pull those teams up. Puksh, uh, I-, I was about to bury them. Uh, the shovel was out. I was ready to bury them. I, I-, I do I- – like them because I'm intrigued by their 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 old Hungarian uh, style as far as what as the players they have I find that interesting in the league it's not done commonly but uh, they're still alive Uh, I know your boy Janos Han uh, went into hibernation he seems to play play better in warm weather perhaps we'll see him in 2020 uh, Norbert Kirmes, ex uh, debertson player, I've, I thought he's played very well. And then there's that uh, bull of a man who is from Ferencváros, who uh, plays for Pucks now, and very, very—I uh, can't even describe what type of seasons uh, Daniel Bode has had. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Pucks?
0: I'm not convinced. I think that um, yeah, they did finish with a little bit of a flourish. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if they keep um, their interim manager, their, uh, their youth manager. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing that they're going to uh, appoint somebody over the winter, uh, somebody who's a little more seasoned, but um, you know, it's, it's hard to say this is a team that really is kind of an enigma to me. Um, And uh, I do think that if they, if they don't, if they don't do well, if they don't stay up, um, you know, it could be a long fall for them, as, as Ivan pointed out last time we spoke. But yes. yes. Um, but, you know, um, uh, th- there's 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 quite a few question marks there and hopefully they'll be able to make some adjustments over yes. the over the winter. And I'd and hate I think to
2: see, I'd hate to see them go out. Me, too. I would really hate to see them fall. And I think the next side, both of us have a, have a, like this side. I think we, re- we refer them refer to them as our girlfriend and that's uh, Zolagarsek I'm not sure which of us she likes better but we we both liked Zala garce uh, they they ended the first half uh, two wins uh, this is a very young team I I have not gone through and averaged the age but uh, I would guess Zala is one of the youngest teams in in Um and they, they they do have a lot a lot of young Hungarians the older players in their th- Early 30s tend to be the foreigners. Uh, we both enjoy watching Icova, uh, the American, and but I've been a little disappointed with him because he seems like rather than using his technical skill, which I think he has, I sort of call him the bulldozer because he sort of just attempts to bulldoze his way uh, through players. Maybe it was just the few times I've seen him play, but he has a lot. Of, he has a lot of skills. I'm anxious to see him maybe having the whole. Winter there, uh, as you said, it's shorter. But seeing him develop because he, he is a young man, and uh, probably my surprise in negatively, Stieber. I can't. I'm, I thought Stieber would have much more of an impact on this side. He's still only 31. But uh, what what do you think, Chris, about Zalegarsig?
0: I think you covered it pretty well. Um, I, I I do like Ikeba. I think um, um, another training camp with them you know this is his first season overseas playing in hungary i'm hoping that he's getting the language but he did score last game um which he'd been in a drought a little bit um he is your your quintessential target man he's big he's strong yes. he's he's yes. going to create space with his body so Um, you know, I don't mind him playing like that, but you're right. We've seen some, uh, highlight reel stuff from him where he's curling balls from outside the area. and, and, you know, perhaps if he mixed it up a little bit, um, but no, I do like this team. Uh, they've been really fun to watch. Yes. And, um, you know, hopefully that continues. Um, it would be a travesty if they, uh, go back down because I feel like Again, they're a team that's really put it to a lot of the better teams, and have been very um, unfortunate in terms of results at this point.
2: Yes, because I I believe if I'm looking at it correctly, their goal differential is plus one, yeah. which is quite amazing to be in the 11th spot. Mm-hmm. And if we go from plus one to minus 17, we're at Kaposvar, uh nine points. Uh, they've beaten Debrecen twice, so sorry, Charlie. Uh, they clobbered Debertson 4-1 in the last round. Uh, hopefully they can continue that m- m- momentum. I don't, I like Martin Adam. I think uh, Ivan mate had some really good uh, technical analysis of Martin. Uh, this side, while I don't know much about the players, and I'm not sure if I'll have time to learn the players if they do have heart. So, this side always battles there and this side will battle till the end I think they'll be sort of a team that we had last season with Holodash, where they have they have so much respect for the game and their their team that they will battle to the end and I don't think they'll lie down they they may be eliminated early but I think they'll fight till the end so that's Kapushvar.
0: yeah and their win uh, this past weekend over. Deborah Chen was um, you know it, it wasn't as surprising as, as I think some people would have thought they, they have been playing well. they played at home. Um, Deborah Chen has been really dis- disappointing so yes um, to see them get that win I think is a huge boost going into the winter. Um, I don't think they're going to survive but it, no. it, it's, no. I think it's just it's it, it's just a good reward for them just kind of sticking to it. And they do have some good players, you know, Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're, they're going down for sure.
2: They do. They do. So where do you want to go now?
0: We've, we've covered them all. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, there's a couple of trends that that happened over the fall that I just wanted to bring up. And um, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, we, we always like to kind of see, um, you know, what, where where are we heading with this league? Um, You know, is it improving? I think one of the most encouraging statistics is attendance. Um the average attendance right now after the the first sixteen rounds minus one game is um thirty five oh five so three thousand nice. five hundred and five. Uh the lowest um attendance we've had is still a is still four figures, still one thousand eighteen. That was at pushcast at the weekend. Um just to give you a little bit of a flavor, um, the starting um the 2016 2017 team the average attendance was about around 2700 the year after that it was around 2900 Ooh. last last season it was 3300 and this right. season's 35 so it's a it's a growing average which is always very encouraging yes, yes um, and the other thing is is that the lowest attendance was around 250 300 300 the last three years our lowest attendance um our lowest attendance the, the league's lowest attendance yes. is it's still over a grand this season so far that's really encouraging to me and I think yes that it that's, is uh, that's going to be good moving forward um here's another really interesting thing is um the away team so far this season has won 43 percent of the time so if you look at home wins away wins and draws Right now, after 95 games, which is you know, um, 16 almost just about 16 um, rounds. Yes. 41% of the time, you've seen the home team win. 43% of the time, the away team has won, and there's been uh, 16%; of the rest have been draws. It's wow. this. It's the smallest uh, number of draws in the first half of the season as far back as I can go. Um, just just to give you a little bit, last season at the end of the season. 51% of games were home wins, only 24% away wins. So I have to ask the question, what's going on? <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've almost doubled the amount of away wins in the first half of the season. And, um, um, it's just one of those things where I'm like, this is, I mean, it's, it's not a small increase. Something's no, happening not. this season where the away teams are getting the results. And I'm not quite sure, uh, what that might be. Any idea?
2: <laughs> i don't know if i could help you out there uh just looking at the table i'm noticing a lot of green streaks for the away games mm-hmm. uh, where the the sides are winning two three four matches in a row uh there's mm-hmm. the uh there's the diojur curse in budapest which normally they go to budapest and they come they leave uh with a huge defeat they they surprised me uh, a few rounds ago and defeated Uypesh 2-0 on the road. So I have no explanation either, Chris. I don't know if it's these, uh, if these uh, nice stadiums are giving the visitors uh, great treatment. Uh, no, or it could be a lot of these sides are, are not really playing at a, quote, home stadium. Uh, we have... Yeah, I-
0: yeah, you're absolutely right. I was gonna, I was, I was about to go there, and you
2: stole my thunder. But oh, I'm go, sorry. Well, go, go ahead. Right. You're perfect. Steal it back. No, no, you're you're perfect. Go ahead. Well, just you know, we have uh, home homebade who is playing at MTK's Prison Stadium, so they seem to be playing better away, but then recently they have not lost in their last at least their their last five uh, home matches. So they've been they've been a team of Sometimes they'll, they'll, I believe, do they have three, four, five, maybe three to four uh, away matches, one in a row, and they just somehow pulled themselves up from their terrible start. I, I was set to fire the Italian, but I, I'm just a pundit. <laughs> so, what, what do you think, Chris? What's uh, your, your? Uh, no, I
0: think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think the entire se- the the entire
2: league, is
0: suffering from an identity crisis in terms of where are they going to play the next game? You yes. know, um, it's, I, I, know Gail's going to kill me. I actually said that, uh, we Pest were purple. They're actually lilac. Sorry. Um, but they, they're actually going to be back to Susa Ferencz stadium, um, in the spring, which will be nice. Oh, They'll have their yes. under soil heating nice. uh, all ready to go. Nice. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's still a number of teams that are playing in neutral grounds and um, it's just, everything is kind of an upheaval. So um, who's to say, but it's just such a big, it was such a big change from last season, the season before Yes. that, um, you know, it's um, it was just something to to at least call out because I find it very interesting. I also think that, that the, um, um, that Zalarega said coming in and really not playing like a, um, a promoted team is, is another thing. I mean, they have been drawing games away, uh, some of the bigger sides. That's impressive, you know. Yes. And um, and to see teams like um, uh, Fehervar losing a lot more at home, uh, Debrecen lo- lo- losing more at home, um, you know, concerning. I'm not sure. Interesting, possibly, uh, but definitely a trend that um caught my eye. So.
2: For sure, yeah. Like as you mentioned, Fehervar. Just looking at their. They have lost four of their last five home matches, which there is quite, quite crazy. Yeah, Never happens. They barely lose at home, and now they've lost four of the last five. So this is our crazy NBA league yeah. that we all love.
0: All right, Paul, so we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask you one question and one question only. Okay. Who's going to win it all?
2: Uh, Ferentz virus. It's Ferentz Varush's uh, to lose. So I, I think they'll uh, they'll win it. Hopefully it will be exciting. I, I'd love to see Fehervar battle them out, but my pick Ferencváros. And who's gonna win the cup? Oh my goodness, boy! Uh, I have not followed the cup, so <laughs> that's a difficult question. I know that Fehervar's out. No, I'm sorry, Ferencváros is out. Fehervar are, are they still in? They're still in. Okay, Fehervar then. All right. Um... Same questions
0: back at you. Of course. Um, I I, I guess I have to say uh, Friday only because um, that's all they have to play for right now, and that's been their priority from day one. Uh, And they've got a deep, 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 deep squad that I think will just uh, run away with it. When it comes to the Cup, um, last season I said Mejikovej, and I guess I was a year off because I think this is their season.
2: That That would be nice.
0: I'm going to stick with Mejikovej. I think it would be a great Reward for uh, just a really Good season so far um, You know I, I, I have A feeling they're going to drop outside of The uh, the podium So it would be a nice reward for them yes, it To, would. Get, to yes, get some it would European be. Summer football so definitely. Alright Paul thanks for joining us We are You're signing welcome. off um, Hopefully we will get back in touch Before the end of the year but if not Hope everyone has happy holidays And a happy new year and we will Be back in the thick of the transfer window. So, so long everybody. And thanks for listening. Thank you.